Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. This episode is sponsored by Canine Working Mind, a dog natural training center offering one-on-one sessions, group classes, and more. Visit canineworkingmind.net for more information. That's canine working mind with a K. Today, we're going to be talking about types of punishment in the canine world. Um, and as you all know, we have um, the last couple of weeks been talking about things that get us a little heated. This is uh, no exception. Yeah, probably one of the bigger things, I would say. Yep. Um, so, you know, humans uh, in general, like we s- stated last week, have a tendency to want to be uh, more powerful than most creatures. Um, not all people. Some people do these types of punish- punishments that we're going to discuss because they were advised to, because they were raised around it. And I'm going to state, I have seen everything in the canine world in 30 plus, 35 plus years. Um, I have rescued dogs from really bad situations and natural disasters. Um, and I know how different people are going to react with their, with different situations. And there are cultures and people in general who are taught this is how you do it. Now I'm going to say when I grew up, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up again. When I grew up, I watched a Husky damn near cling to his life because he got the beating that a grown man would have in a bar because he chewed a couch. Yeah. I didn't grow up and do the same thing because I, that's actually what pushed me into always wanting to protect dogs. But I saw that dog beat to almost near death because he ripped up a couch. Yeah. I, my family, as a child, my parents believed in, in corporal punishment, Mm -hmm. not just for us as kids, but also for the dogs. Um, they had a literal paddle for the dogs, like a dog paddle. Right. And you know, here's, here's the thing. That's what a lot of people had been taught, right? Um, whether it be you're raised like that, which Laura and I had been raised like that, um, or, you know, you maybe weren't raised by like that, but your parents treated dogs like that, um, because that's what they were taught. Yeah. And a lot of it goes back to the idea has to be put in your head, just like I was talking about with the dominance theory last year, last week. Right. Um, and honestly, the idea put in my head after seeing that, uh, multiple dogs, not just the Husky, but the Husky is the one that stands out the most. Um, and the little dog, yeah, right. That little Yorkie, uh, to this day, to this day, I have such regret that I at eight years old, couldn't grab that dog and run away with it. Um, but for me, it made me want to protect them. It didn't put the idea in my head that I had to be physical to correct anything. But again, each person's different. You grow up in a situation and you think that's the proper way. Well, it worked for me. So it must work for, uh, you know, for my dog or whatever. Uh, so we want to talk about different types of punishments and why they're, uh, inappropriate with domestic dogs. Okay. Um, one of the biggest ones that we hear about nowadays, 
And I'm going to say it probably came about 15, 16 years ago because uh, it was made very popular on TV by a certain TV personality that I really don't like. Um, it was rolling a dog on its side. Yeah. When it misbehaves, roll, kind of pinning it with your hands. Right. Or on their back. Yeah. Right. Um, now, we still, uh, shockingly in today's day and age, because we have a lot more positive trainers now than we did when I first started. Uh, we didn't, I'm going to say probably a handful of positive trainers were around 35 plus years ago. Um, and even with all of the positive trainers we have, there are still misconceptions on how to have a negative reinforcement with a dog. Right. So a lot of times people fall on that old school. This is definitely probably one of the ones that I hear the most, like when we do a consultation and it's, a. you know, how do you correct your dog or how did you correct your dog? And, and this is definitely rolling it on its side or on its back until it relaxes is one of the biggest ones that I hear. Right. And I'm going to go back to, uh, one of the reasons why we don't like it. Uh, I think I started explaining it last week, but I'm going to go over it again for the listeners. Uh, when a dog pins another dog on there in the pack, they're not pinning it because it's a correction. Yeah. Right. A correction in the canine world is quiet. It's subtle until it can't be. And yeah. then they force the dog to move out of their space. They don't keep them there. Yeah. Uh, so everybody can join in and kill the dog. Now I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up because when a dog gets rolled on its side. And if for those of the listeners that have multiple dogs in their household, when one dog screams, they all come running to see what the reaction is going to be from the other dogs. Some unlucky households have had a dog scream in their in their house because they maybe they dislocated their knee when they're jumping. It's a common habit. And then all of the dogs join in to attack that dog. Yeah. Because it's pack mentality. Yeah. Now, when you're rolling a dog on its side, if a dog in a dog pack did that, the other dogs would come in pack mentality to attack it. Yeah. Right. Now they might not kill it, but they might from there on out use that dog as the omega. As the omega. Yeah. The punching bag. Right. Now we're going to get into a little bit more later next week about rank and what the omega means, but they're not going to correct a dog by pinning it in the middle of a pack because they know the risk is high for all of the other dogs to attack it when it yipes. Yeah. The dog that rolls another dog and pins the other dog is what we call a gamma or the unstable dog in the pack member. That's because they want to move up in rank. They want to show the weakness of the other dog. They have to show their strength. And a true protector doesn't want to see weakness from another dog. Yeah. They can't have their pack be weak. So it makes the the people that do the rolling, it makes you seem like the unstable pack member. Just looking for rank. Yeah. And then you have a dog that if your dog is an actual Omega and you're rolling them, you're making them think that you want them to be the omega which can end up creating a lot of other issues right Um, and we do see a lot of what we call omega syndrome dogs where dogs maybe don't have the personality of of an omega but because they're put in that situation they don't feel like they have a choice and then it ends up creating a bigger problem right explosive behaviors yeah and then if you're trying to roll a dog that's another gamma or oh yeah Injuries, uh, look out. An over, like an overconfident dog, then 
Have yeah. the first aid kit ready. Yeah, because it, it's not it's not going to be pretty. Right. And uh, so I'm going to go back to a, a recent case that we just had where a trainer uh, advised um, the client that we now have to roll the dog until it fell asleep. Yep. Pin uh, it with it, their forearms. Pin it with their forearms on either side of its body until it relaxed and fell asleep. Now, one, dog had a couple of broken skin bites on its history and when asked uh what the situation was about the bite one was the trainer yeah when he tried to quote unquote pin the dog till he relaxed yeah right um i'm gonna say in my 35 plus years i've worked with multiple dog trainers that have brought cases to me i have one one trainer in particular that um stands out in my mind and he always will he was a trainer for uh, you know, pretty tough dogs. He wasn't a, a IPO or a Schutzen trainer, which is bite work for those that don't understand what that means. He wasn't a trainer for those dogs, but he thought he can go into aggression. He started to go into aggression based on the readings that he was given to become a trainer. Yeah. Um, and one of the readings in his course was to pin dogs. That was a correction. And he had actually come to me without a dog. He had reached out. And this was probably 14 years ago, reached out and said, I lost all my trust in dogs. I lost all my courage around dogs. I have such bad PTSD. I don't know how to stop it. And I said, well, come on in. Let's, you know, sit down and have a consult. I know I'm not a psychiatrist. Yeah. I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> but I mean, if I can help you build confidence around dogs, I would be more than happy to do yeah. it. I don't want to see a trainer leave the business if yeah. that's what your passion is, right? Yeah. So I had him come in and the gentleman was scarred up from hand to shoulder on both arms, his chest, his face. And I was like, you know, at first sight, I'm looking at him going, holy shit, what the hell happened? Did you get into a motorcycle accident? And then that's when he told me that he did what the written, um, pin the dog and then horse. Yep. He tried to pin a confident dog. Because it was showing aggression and the dog literally opened up a can of whoop ass on him, yeah. ripped up both his forearms, his chest, his face. Um, and yeah, rightfully so. This guy was terrified to be around dogs. Now, yeah. uh, you know, I, I bring that up because sometimes I'll be discussing that scenario to some of my interns and the interns will say to me, well, he deserved it. No, he didn't. He didn't know better. No, he didn't. He was taught. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what happens with our clients. Yeah. They're taught or told, given this advice, and then they get injured. They're the ones that get hurt. Right. And it's not their fault. It's the idea is placed in their head. Yeah. Right. Rolling and pinning a dog on their, sh on their side is not a correction. You are just fighting for rank. If you, it, if you move the dog out of their space, psychologically, that does more to a dog than physical. Physical yeah. is only a challenge. The true protector isn't going to get physical. Right. Like that. It's not going to happen. They're going to make you leave the pack. Yeah. Worst thing you could do is make a dog leave the pack, right? Now, I'm not saying uh, throw the dog outside and leave him outside yeah. and ignore the dog and pretend he doesn't belong to your pack, but just moving him out of your space is enough of a punishment yeah. to have the dog. That's enough of a negative reinforcement, right? You did something wrong. Leave your space. You can come back. We forget about that. Yeah. Dogs don't hold grudges like humans do. Right. They, they don't. They, and that's definitely something I see a lot with is, is reminding people to 
move on. Let go. Disengage. Yep. You you give that that correction that isn't physical. Make them move out of their space, but then stop. Right. You don't need to keep yelling at them. You don't need to keep having this like angry face. I understand when you're angry with your dog, it's very hard. You might have to take those deep breaths and count to 10 and and do it because if you keep continuing, you're still yelling at your dog or, or, you know, correcting them 30 minutes later. Or all day in some cases. They don't know what the heck they're, why are you still angry? Like you are obviously very unstable because you're angry all the time. Right. What's making you angry all the time? And then they're searching because it can't, it's not them. They don't right. know what they're doing. Right. So, so, uh, so it's not a good idea. You know, we do try to tell people disengage after a correction and for example with dogs we talk dog natural all the time right that's what that's what we're all about is dog natural when a dog correctively bites a human they use their front teeth and they give one quick bite and then they're done yeah right so a true correction is one and done but us as humans we can't let go of that we have that emotion we have that personalization that happens right it's the dog did it because it's doing it against me we yeah. hear that a lot right the the physicality of it is all over the top. And I think that goes into the spanking thing too. Cause a lot of people, yep. and that's definitely something, like I said, um, my, I mean, that's what my parents did was yep. spank. Um, and that's what I grew up around. And I saw like with that dog paddle, I mean, my, uh, one of my dogs like turned on my mom because she was literally chasing him around the house with a wooden board. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my brain as a child, I'm like, well, I get it because I, I I didn't like getting paddled as a child. Right. So, but a lot of that, a lot of people, that's just how they were taught, um, whether family or trainers or something right. like that to, to spank, um, whether that's swatting on the butt or in the face, uh, like the rolled up newspaper swatting on the nose or the, you know, when they do something wrong, I just kind of like you know, swat at their nose. And a lot of the times I'll get the not very hard. It's just like a boop. And I'm like, is a boop like, like fingertip boop? Cause I boop my dog's noses all the time. There's a little difference in a boop and a slap. Right. Exactly. Because I can definitely tell what did your dog's whole muzzle move when your finger touched (laughs) it or did it just stand still and your dog look at you like that was annoying. Why (laughs) Why are you booping me in the nose? Yeah. There is a big difference, but yeah, I mean, I grew up around, as I keep stating, I grew up around spanking. I I don't really, I can't even call it spanking. It was just all out abuse from my mom. Yeah. Um, But that was, I mean, it was for me an eye opener at a young age. That doesn't need to happen. And then I would see my grandfather who never touched his dogs. Yeah. Right. Never. Never laid a hand on them that way. Yeah. Right. And it's just because again, then you look like that. That unstable mm-hmm. pack member that has to go beat up on other dogs uh, in the pack to show off your strength. Right. It's uh, it's not appropriate. And besides, we look uh, schizophrenic. Yeah. And I'm going to say why. I bring that up because, you know, while you're growling, you're spanking, you're yelling, you're angry, but you're spanking. Now, dogs hit each other all the time with their feet. Yeah. And it's viewed as play a lot of the times yeah they'll come up and just swat a dog right vincenzo the yeah. melted chocolate chip cookie he does it all the time he he just takes his big old bah. paw and goes on somebody's head because he's like are you coming to play it's play but you're angry 
So, holy moly, we look crazy yeah. to dogs. We have to. I mean, I think about it all the time and I'm like, good Lord, you're really angry. You're slapping your dog and your dog is like, you're playing, but you're angry. So let's do some rough play. Absolutely. And then what happens? They start to mouth on you. Yeah. Right. They start to growl at you. You're unstable. You can't be a protector. Yeah. And that's, I, I mean, with the spanking and stuff, it definitely, um, I see a lot with the dogs that will, you know, they might snap back at the owner when they spank them. Right. Or when they swat them on the nose. Or they go and a lot of owners misread the I, the dog feels bad moment. And this is something that a lot of people don't yeah. understand. Yeah. So after you get really angry and you get physical with your dog, be it a newspaper or your hands uh, or whatever, um, I've seen much worse, but after you get into that situation and you yell at your dog, the dog might go run underneath a bed or in their kennel yeah. or and under say, a table. I know they feel bad because they go put themselves in timeout pretty much. They go and they have this look to them and, you know, the, they definitely look sorry. And what's the question we ask him? Could you, you, could you go get that dog? Yeah. Could you go get them? Right. So here's the thing. When your dog goes and puts them underneath, puts themselves underneath a table, a crate or in, under a bed. Again, it's because they're putting themselves in a defensive spot. All three sides are covered. All they have to worry about is the front. So when that unstable pack member comes in to quote unquote attack them again, they can defend themselves because their back is covered. Yeah. Right. So 95 to 98% of the time when I say after this happens, could you go and reach in and grab your dog? All of my clients go, oh God, no, he'd probably bite me. Okay. That's not because they feel bad, y'all. It's because they think you're attacking them. Yeah. Either they're going to bite them or they'll say, well, no, probably not. Cause they might like pee or poop all over the place. Right. So they're either going to be terrified of you. Think you're about to murder them. Or I'm going to, I'm going to have to defend myself. Right. And take you on. They don't feel bad. They, they're, they're literally trying to protect themselves from you. They're pack member. And it's sad for me. Again, we don't get dogs so they can be afraid of us. We get dogs so they could be a loyal companion. Yeah. And yes, dogs do incorrect things. I do incorrect things. My wife corrects me all the time. Uh, but she, I'm going to say she don't get abusive. Yeah. Right. You don't feel worried about going back out and, right. and talking to her after the fact. Right. You know, um, and I'm probably the worst person in the world to live with. I don't know how she puts up with me, but, um, but you know, if I do something, you know, if I leave a, a beer bottle on the counter or, you know, she doesn't seem to care too much, but she might look at me and look at the bottle yeah, and I go, Oh, sorry about that. And I'll put it in the sink. It's not like I'm afraid to come into the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's one of those things where I want you to remember spanking any physical is not okay. You, well, and that brings into like, obviously spanking and the rolling and stuff. That's definitely been more prevalent, but then we have some that are even more. You're going to hit that note, aren't I you? I am. I'm going to, uh, mm. the super over the top. Mm. Even sometimes when we talk about it to people, they go, oh, that's really out there, which is the hanging them. Okay. Yeah. You're going to go there. Okay. So yes. Um, this That's is physical. this is the 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 biggest pet peeve for me. Um, this is probably one of the ones that hits the deepest because I do have more of a 
attachment to dogs than humans. Um, however, uh, yes, one of the things that happened years ago, um, when I first started, I worked with a trainer in New York and he called it the Roddy hang. Yikes. When a Roddy would go after you, I, you just got to hang that dog, hang him until he passes out. And then he's going to know you have the, the potential to take his life away and he won't try to bite again. I looked at this guy like he had 10 heads and contemplated how well I do in jail. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to hang a dog. But then, you know, I thought it was just a one-off. I really did because yeah. I was just starting my career. I thought that was a one-off and this guy was just an overblown asshole who needed to show his strength to a lesser being, right? Yeah. So I kind of just put it towards that. But then I started seeing it in other places. I started doing a little bit more research. And back then, because I'm a dinosaur, we didn't have internet. So I actually go to events and I would actually see this same behavior. And I was like, what the fuck? Literally, what the fuck? Um, If your child came up to you and had a temper tantrum. You grab him by the throat. Would you choke him to death until he passed out so he knew you could take his life away? No, I hope not. Maybe they would. God damn. Yeah. What the hell? I don't care if they're dogs and they have teeth and they can do damage. You're going to create more damage. Yeah. Right. So while that dog might be afraid of you, the person that could take his life away, there's always going to be somebody else that's going to be around that dog that he can take and he might take on. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a, another trainer that threw a rope over a tree branch. Her dog went after another dog and she lifted the dog off its feet until it passed out. And she had her assistant lower the dog to the ground just so she could stand over it like I did that to you. So when the dog woke up, it would see her as, quote unquote, the God. We talked about this last week. I'm sorry, but hell no. Now that dog, that dog got the correction because it attacked another dog why did it attack another dog it was redirecting all that freaking anger it had. yeah i mean for i mean for a good reason right i wouldn't i i mean if that was my life i wouldn't be a very stable person right uh two years ago i had a trainer that contacted me about a dog i did an eval on this trainer uh was going to training school and had the dog that I evaluated. The dog was perfectly fine. Dog was a great dog. The rescue group put it in a training uh, facility because they offered free training. Yeah. And the way they do it is they offer free training to the rescues and they train their, their students with yeah. those dogs, right? Yeah. Well, this was a great dog. I got a phone call from the rescue. Hey, uh, the trainer that has this dog, is it okay if I have him contact you? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Dog was great. She contacts me and tells me, that the dog growled at her um, and she corrected it with a prong collar. The dog went after her. So she hung it on a prong collar? She said, wait, she, she corrected it with prong collar. She put it back in the cage. She gave him time to settle down. Dog wouldn't let her come near the cage. Mm-hmm. Well, then she says, now I'm going to say I did everything I was taught. I made this dog realize I could take his life away by hanging him till he passed out. And I went, stop, one sec. You were taught 
she says, well, that's what we're taught. The dog needs to know that they can have their life taken away from us in order to, to submit to us. I don't like that word. Um, girl, I lost my shit. Contacted the rescue group. I was like, what the hell? What the hell? This isn't okay. Free training. Yes, I see. You're a rescue group. You have limited resources. But to have a dog fear for its life and now get so defensive it won't even let a human come near its cage. Yeah. When this dog was beautiful with us. Yes, they didn't want to pay for my training because I had to pay for it. And I get that. Resources are limited. Take the free training if you can. But if you know your dog is in danger of that situation, get them the hell out of Dodge. And shame on the school for teaching kids this. Yikes. Uh, And I I mean, a lot of people don't, they they think like, well, I would never hang my dog. But if you go somewhere and your dog's aggressive and you seek out a trainer, you're going to a professional for a reason. Right. You see it on uh, the 15-second TikTok trainer personalities. I've seen it on there. And then how many people are watching that and going like, oh, okay, well, I never thought about doing that because I thought it wasn't okay. But if it worked, then maybe it's something we should try. Maybe we should try it. My dog barks, so I'm going to lift its front feet off until it stops barking because it can't breathe. Right. You know, and you think, well, I'm not hanging them because their back feet are still on the ground. But I mean... I mean, you're still lifting your dog's feet off. The it doesn't take much pressure to yeah. make you pass out. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, if you watch any, any wrestling or, you know, anything, MMAs, they lock that arm around your neck. They're not lifting them off their feet, but boy, 15 seconds and done. Yeah. yeah. I and I think it's shorter than that, but I'm just using that number. But for real, honestly, there's no reason to hang a goddamn dog. Yeah. Sorry. Again, I'm losing it. And I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get professional a, again. A lot of the, the like, getting physical, the physical punishments. Dogs don't, they don't, they're not physical with no. each other unless they're being unstable. Unless it, they're being the one, they might have to defend themselves. They're going to yeah. get physical. Two, they want to move up and they, they could take out, the, they could take out the weaker member. So yeah. what you're saying is you're an abuser. Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to just say it. It pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. But I know a lot of people, again, do it because they're told to. Yeah. Right. And it really, for me, upsets me to no end that, I mean, I'm just going to say, I can tell you if I go someplace, I have horses, y'all. And uh, for some of the listeners, you might not know that, but I love my horses. Um, I've gone through many, many, many farriers and I'm going to have a shit ton of horse people that email me and tell me I'm an ass for saying this. However, I had a farrier that slapped my horse because he was in pain and kicked him. He picked up his foot. He, he gouged at his foot and it started bleeding. And my horse kicked him off because it fucking hurt. And he came off and slapped him with a raspy file. Now I'm going to say I'm not, I, at that point I wasn't very horse experienced. I'm going to say at that point in my horse career, I was very, very green. I had no idea. I just knew what end they ate from and what end they shit from, but I did not know anything about horse behavior. But I did know that there is no damn ever going to be a situation where I'm going to let somebody strike my animal. Yeah. So I literally yelled at him and he said, well, I'm not coming back if you're not going to discipline your horses. And I said, discipline my goddamn horses. You just caused them to bleed. And his reaction was to kick you off. If you stabbed me, I'd kill you. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to have the same response. Right. I wouldn't have just pushed you off gently like my horse said. He could have broke your fucking neck, but I didn't allow it. Right. 
So for me, I, I'm, I really, I know a lot of people don't like confrontation and not the brash New Yorker that I am. So a lot of people don't like confrontation and they might sit, sit back and go, well, I guess, you know, this is what we're supposed to this do. This is what we're supposed to do. Y'all, it's not, yeah. it's not. Question it. I have since had, um, farriers and fair. I've, I've had a lot of farriers, um, that come to do my horses. One that we're using now, who's amazing. She never uses force. And if the dog, if the horse wants to put his foot down, she lets him. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I could do anything I want to that horse now because we're, there's never any force. Yeah. Just times. like the dogs. Yeah. Right. Building the trust instead of being physical. And I have a ton of people that tell me their dogs will snap at everybody. It's so weird that they don't go after you. Yeah. I don't have magic dust. It's not magic dust. It's because I am not challenging them yeah i'm not being physical we make great progress with aggressive dogs yeah and i mean with the physicality then there's the you know people that do punishments that aren't physical which is going to bring in like the people that use like the coins in a can or the spray bottles or um the pet corrector that's Mm -hmm. at a lot of pet stores to get um and a lot of people will use those and, you know, well, I'm not being physical with the dog, but I'm using uh, a noise or I'm using water. Right. Or Now, here's the thing. If another dog is going after another dog. I'm pretty sure that they don't spray them with water. Right. <laughs> and if you want to bathe that dog at some point or hose your garden, it's probably not a good idea to use a spray bottle. I've, we have clients that say, all I have to do is show the dog the bottle and they stop. Well, I'm going to tell you, all my mother had to do was show me that wooden spoon. And I would stop, too, because I was terrified I was going to get beat. I don't want my yeah. dog to te- have that be terrified. Fear response. Right. I don't want them to do that. I want them to do something because they want to. Yeah. Not because they feel like if they don't, they might have the bad end of that yeah. bottle. Like um, Forrest, uh, I, have, I have a spray bottle that I don't spray Forrest with. Um, it has uh, orange right. in it because he hates that smell. Well, during uh, the snow apocalypse thing that happened here, I had to bring some of my plants inside, and I didn't want Forrest to get into them. So you sprayed the plants I with the orange? I sprayed the plants and the mulch and around the plants with the orange, not Forrest. Right. And then he was fine. And when I was trying to teach him not to be rough with his sister um, with clay and put his mouth on her legs... I, sp- I would spray her legs. And you know what? Raven didn't care right. because I never corrected her with a spray bottle. And then I wasn't correcting Forrest by spraying him. He would just go up and be like, oh, I don't want to put my mouth on her because she stinks. Right. Oh. It was a deterrent. It wasn't a startle. Right. Right. I never sprayed him. Right. Even though he's deaf, I never sprayed him. And a lot of people think that because they're they're deaf, then you need to have a spray bottle. Or be physical. Right, because they can't hear you. So I have to do something else, which I don't like either. Right. Now, again, if two dogs get into a massive fight, you are going to want to be loud to get them to separate. Yeah. The only time I can say coins in a can or a loud, uh, startling response is if two dogs are actually Fine. fighting. Sorry about that, y'all. My cat just seriously jumped on me and scratched my leg. Cut it out, Percy. Um, he wants to join in in the worst way with these podcasts. Um, all right. So, but honestly, you have to get loud during a, a you don't want to scream and run to a dog fight because it will make the fight yeah. worse. Then it sounds like you're joining in. But well. you do need some loud sound to break that aggression. And I get that. But don't throw the can at the dog 
Yeah. And that's not going to do anything. Don't throw the can at the dog. This is this is one of the misconceptions, right? Um, but shaking a co- coins in a can because they're on a countertop, that's not going to help you. If it's true intent to do aggression, you do have to do something to break that that zone, right? And loud noise is going to be it. like a bamboo stick, right? Yeah. Not striking not the dog. And I'm going to say, right. Okay. It's the noise on the ground. You're right. not actually going to your dog like you're going to hit them with it. I will like, uh, I'll hit the ground or um, furniture next to me, but I, it's never at my dog. Right. You don't want to. You it's don't want just wanna... the noise. The and clatter. this is this is where the coins in the can come in in a bad situation is because a lot of people will throw the can of coins at the dog's feet or at whatever the dog is going towards. And, you know, then I make the dog worry about something coming in. Incoming, I'm going to get hit with something that's making loud noises. That's going to cause startle. But you do have to sometimes make a loud noise to get them to stop whatever they're doing. But if you're doing it in those other situations, then when you take them out on like a walk or something, and then people will say that my dog gets startled or worried about you know, any loud noise that happens out on a walk. Right. And then they suddenly want to go home. Right. Like, well, have you ever used this as a training technique? Right. The pet corrector, that little can of air that we go to. uh, Again, TV personality uh, is famous for that sound. Um, And yeah, sure. It makes your dog go, what the hell is that? Is there a snake? Uh, Or uh, maybe... Uh, maybe a tar is, tire is move, losing yeah. air. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. a hell of a hissing sound. I don't know what the hell that thing is. So it's going to startle them out of it. Um, but the pet corrector is probably used in, in ways that it should not be. Yeah. Um, on a walk, using the pet corrector. Or people will just make the noise themselves. Yes. They'll hiss at their dogs. I'm going to warn you, the cat is behind you. and His <laughs> nails are very sharp. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times we'll have a training session and I'll literally have to tell the person, like, I need you to stop hissing at them. Yeah, please, please You're stop You're not that. a snake. Please, please stop. stop. Obviously, it's not working because you're continuing to do it. Right. Your dog is not responding to this at all because then all you're doing is correcting. And tell them what you want instead of just hissing at them. Right. Uh, a lot of times that's all we're... We as humans, we are very quick to constantly correct. But how many times do you have to tell your clients to praise? Yeah, all the time. I'm usually the one that praises. And then they come in like maybe three seconds later and they realize that I'm the only one praising and their dog is always looking at me instead of looking at them. And I literally have to be like, you have to mark it right away because I'm having to do it. And timing is tar- it, timing is very hard for I'm not going to I'm not going to lie about that. Timing is super hard to develop when it comes to training. Almost all handlers that I know, it takes a long time to get that perfect timing. Yeah. But you don't have to have perfect timing as long as you're telling your dog they're doing something great. On a walk, they're right next to you and you're and they're not pulling, pulling. they're they're focusing on you. Almost everybody ignores their dog at that point. Yeah. I, I could drive down the street and see dogs that are walking right next to their owners, just looking up their owners and the owner's got the headphones in looking at what they're going and they're not paying attention to the dog. Yeah. But I'll guarantee you if that dog pulled, they'd get either a leash check or, or a verbal correction. Right. We are as humans so quick to correct. Yeah. And it it's, it's sad because we want the dog to be focused on us, but why would they focus on us as if they, if we're always grumpy and we yeah. don't notice their good stuff? Yeah. 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 
and that's that's definitely something we we are seeing a lot more of is the the constant corrections and in the verbal corrections a right. lot and a lot of that is the the hissing like the pet corrector mm-hmm. which every time one of my clients hisses at their dog i it's i have to try to not visually tense up <laughs> literally i just want to like uh like i need to shake that off yeah. just like the dog um but i'm just like no i know i want to do it i want to do an experiment you know for our listeners we do all these silly videos right um i'm going to do an experiment with my wife i didn't tell her about this and she doesn't listen to the podcast because she you know tries to avoid uh my job at all costs she's always afraid i'm going to come home without my limbs or my butt um, so she avoids it and I know I'm safe here by saying it, but I was going to try an experiment with her this week of every time she did something, just go at her. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, you're going to come in and I'll and probably have two black eyes. You have black eyes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to videotape every time I do it to her and just get her reaction. She's going to absolutely hate me for it y'all. And this is all for the listeners. Um, just so you can see what it's like. <laughs> As we always do with our videos. Same thing with the dogs, though. What do we do? Well, at least you're doing it to her and not to me this time. I'm not doing it to you this time. I'm going to do it to her because it's candid and I'm going to take my phone and video. Yeah, I'm off of, you know, 4th of July. So I'm going to yeah. uh, videotape me shushing her yeah. and see how far that gets before she actually probably <laughs> tells me and, and says, move the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but we great. always do that. What would we do as humans if we did it to us what we do to dogs this yeah. is something that y'all need to think of you know would you want your spouse or partner hanging you off your feet till yeah. you passed out so that you knew they could take your life away yeah. would you want your kid to think that yeah or doing the the hissing sound or like shaking the coins that, oh my but God. not saying anything i'm so gonna videotape that yeah, i'm gonna try each it one. i'm gonna do each one well some of them you won't be able to watch but I'm going to do some of them. You're probably going to have to bleep out some of them. Some of them I'm going to do because she's going to cuss at me, I'm sure. But this is something that I always want our listeners to realize. So then you have the, you get physical. Then you have the, let's do the noises. Um, Then what about the ones where you don't have, you don't even touch your dog because you try to have them self Oh yeah. Instead, so, so I'm not gonna touch them. I'm not gonna do right. anything. I'm gonna self-soothe, which is gonna be tethering them to something. So tethering them to the stair banister or the couch or or this is something a, else. This is a bad one because it's actually all over the internet. Yes. Um, this is, we're starting to hear a lot more about We this. are. And um I've heard from a lot of our clients, some that actually have gone to positive trainers and I'm hoping this reaches my positive trainers that are out there. Um, if you tether a dog to an inanimate object to help them self-soothe when there's a guest there, kind of goes back to if I shoved you in a closet and closed the door. Yeah. You're not defended. You don't, I mean, that's, there's no way you're going to self-soothe. Yeah. But if I handcuffed you to the dining room chair while we had guests. Yeah. And you didn't know these people. Well, let's put it into, I mean, for dogs, because some pe- some dogs are really worried about, about guests coming in. So if you were here and we handcuffed you to the table while there was a big old wolf spider walking around and oh, you knew yeah. it. Ah. Yeah. You, how you, would you be? Would you be able to self-soothe? Hells no. You would not see me self-soothe. But again, you're doing the same thing to a dog. Yeah. 
right? And and some of the we don't think about the potential. Now, some dogs might go, "Oh my god, I'm tied to this stuff and I'm trapped, so I'm going to shut my mouth." Yeah. I don't want to draw attention to myself. Yeah. It's not because they're self-soothing. It's because they're trying to survive. Yeah. If I keep quiet, nobody comes. Nobody will come I'm and safe. I'm not I'm not going to be trapped. Yeah. They're trapped if they're tethered. Yeah. They that, can't that go away. The table is not going to protect them from the thing that's making them upset. Dude, you them. have to let your dog retreat. Yeah. Right. If you, it, it, there's no way they can self-suit if they're anxious. Well, yeah. I would handcuff somebody to a chair in a minute and let one of my biker friends come in. And I'll guarantee you they ain't going to self-soothe. They're pretty mouthy like I am. Well, and the, like, a lot of people will do it when their dogs get mouthy with them. Like, they they get frustrated. They start taking it out on the owners or they start getting mouthy during play. So then they'll go tie their dog up to something and tell them, like, well, they just needed to calm down because they were getting mouthy. So I went and tied them up to something. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're just building some frustration. And now here's the thing. We tie them in view. Yeah. Of whatever's making them nervous. Yeah. Y'all, we outlawed tethering outside for a reason. It builds aggression. Yeah. Right. You're only going to build a a nice bomb. You're not going to self-soothe the dog. There's no way that a dog is worried about something. You tie them so they can't get away and they're still seeing or interacting with that object that makes them afraid. Be it. I don't care what it is. Wolf spider, forget you. I mean, you'd own the business tomorrow because I would drop dead of a damn heart attack. There's I mean, no way I'd self suit. Sarah's gone over a whole fucking couch to get yes. away from a spider. I <laughs> she did. just jumped the whole couch, broken hip and all. That's right. <laughs> broken hip and all. I look like an Olympic freaking athlete jumping over that couch to get away from a wolf spider. Now, if I was tethered to self soothe to get over my fear of that issue, I'd drop dead right there. Yeah. I'd probably have no arm left because I'd be pulling my arm so hard I'd dislocate it. But, you know, put yourself in those situations. How unfair to the dog to expect them to be able to self-soothe when their fear is staring at them. Yeah. Whatever's making them anxious or making them frustrated, you're only exacerbating the problem. And so going from like, being physical to, okay, I'm just not going to touch them at all. No, neither of those are appropriate. No. Or having your other dogs be the ones that that do it. Yeah. That's a, that's one we talked about last week. Again, you're not involved. Right. I'm just going to, you know, let things, you know, whether I tie them to something, I'm not involved. I'm going to let them figure it out themselves or I'm not going to be involved. I'm going to let my dogs figure it out themselves. Uh, Yeah, or correct the other dog. So a lot of people do this with puppies when they come in. The puppy is uh, too rough, you know, um, with that older dog and the older dog corrects them. Um, And we don't do anything. We go, well, we're just going to let the dog learn. The puppy needs to learn. Um, But it's not learning. And by the time it hits sexual peak, you're going to have what you would have at a natural dog pack. At sexual peak, they're going to go, hey, you know, you corrected me when I was a puppy, but I'm a strong pup now. I could take you on. And then boom, you get fights. Right. Or that dog that's constantly corrected by other dogs, your other dogs, has to display more. Yeah. We have that omega syndrome dog that you had. We have the omega syndrome dog that is uh, constantly corrected uh, by the older dog. And this poor thing, I mean, it it breaks my heart when I see him, you know, but he's he thinks he's an omega. So he's got to show off his strength every single chance he gets. To try to get out of that spot because nobody wants to be in that spot. But I will say, like, you just did that consult and, you know, you gave them 
some things to start before they come in for a session. They've already emailed, they have some sessions set up, but they already emailed and said that they've already implemented stuff and they're already seeing that he's doing better. Right. Just because they stopped letting the older dog be the corrector pretty right. much and, and try to make him that Omega. And, right. and they started showing him that, that they weren't going to make him an Omega either. Right. They were going to protect him instead. And, and that's the, that's the important thing here, y'all. And that's what we keep. I know we sound like damn broken records by this point. Um, but we're trying to remind everybody that when you have a dog, one, we get dogs for companionship. I don't want my companions to be afraid of me. Yeah. Afraid I of want, me or, or their pack members. Right. So it's not a life to live. Right. Try to step away from the force and fear, y'all. Dogs don't react uh, better because they learned a lesson. They they react out of fear. I'm going to say, I haven't talked to my mother in years because I learned my lesson. Yeah, I'm not going to keep quiet. I took out the toxicity out of my life. I said, no, I'm not going to deal with that, right? I don't Your want my dogs, dogs to feel that, that way. Yeah, because they can't. They're stuck. I don't want my dogs to feel that way. Yeah. I want my dogs to go, oh, you know what? Right, I had a disagreement. Kind of like a human, right? Yeah. You know, if if somebody has an argument, are you going to come to blows and beat them to death or beat them to submission? No. Yeah. Well, that's you're going to talk it out. You're going to make them understand. This is what we just want you to understand. You, as a dog owner, should be a protector. And if somebody tells you that these physical or forceful, fearful ways of correcting is a good thing. Just try to step back and put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Would you do this to another human? Yeah. Would you want that to done to you? Done to you. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking with like with Raven and stuff because people yeah. make her super nervous. If if we had used forceful means with her every oh. time she barked at someone, every time someone walked in the door or she felt uncomfortable and didn't want to go greet a person at Lowe's. I mean, she wouldn't be where she is now, which is, I'm just going to like glowing mama moment. Brag. I mean, Go she, brag. She went up to an, one of our new kennel techs that had just been, she'd only been here. She's only been here a couple, a couple weeks, weeks now, but she hadn't interacted with Raven at all. She'd just been ignoring her and walking and doing her job. And then the one day that she did interact with my other dog, Kevin, who of course is like, yeah, I want all the pets. And then she was down and, and said hello to Raven, normal tone, because Raven hates baby talk. Um, and she went right up to her, let her love on her, touch her face, touch her neck, gave her an appropriate kiss, and then walked away and came over to me. Like, yep. I did it, Mom. I said, hi. I didn't tell her to do that. And I was literally standing there like, oh, my God. Like, progress. she did it. Right. It's I didn't have to ask for it, but she felt comfortable enough. And then she came back to me the protector right right and if we are out somewhere because i don't shy away from taking raven places but if there is something that makes her uncomfortable she doesn't go at it she doesn't go and bark at people when we're out and they approach us she will come and stay right next to me or she'll get behind me because she knows that i'm not going to force her or if she does bark or growl I'm not going to immediately correct her because I'm going to assess the situation. It's usually because another person is making a poor choice and right. I can tell them to back off. So then she's seeing that I'm not, I'm not going to make her right. have to do that. Um, and I'm going to bring up uh, the, 
uh, story of that poor dog that was uh, corrected for sundowners. So we had a, a client. Oh. This is another uh, another one that's going to probably strike a chord in all of my listeners. I hope it does because it it pisses me the hell off. But yeah. uh, about six years ago, we had a client that came into us for a consultation. She had a dog that um, was terrified of all humans, would uh, be defensive with every human, even them. Um, and, you know, one of my other trainers went in, did the consultation. She sat down and uh, she actually had to get up and leave the consult because she got so emotional that she had to come and get me to finish the consult. Dang. And I was like, okay, is, uh, is the dog that aggressive? And she's like, I can't listen anymore. Really. It's, it's just, it hurts so bad. I can't even listen. And I was like, okay. So I went in and the client was basically in tears saying, I know what I just told her was absolutely awful. And I feel awful. And I said, well, I hate to say this, but I need you to reiterate what you told my trainer so I can work out a plan of action for you. And she said, well, we originally went to see a trainer because my dog would bark at things at night. Now, for all of our listeners, dogs have a hard time adjusting from light to dark. Yeah, a lot of people think that dogs can see better at night because it's a a common misconception. Right. They're Um, not a cat. They're not a cat. And here's the thing. When when we really proof our search dogs, we start doing searches from like real big daylight into a very dark place because I want the dog to use their nose and not cheat, use their eyes. Right. Um, because they can't adjust that quick. Right. Well, this dog, long story short, had a, uh, issue with people at night and fine during the day originally. Um, and they hired a trainer and the hire the trainer had their assistant run up at night in a hood at them. The dog reacted, of course. Yeah. Fucking duh. Sorry. Uh, and the trainer began whipping the dog with a whip stick on its back. Oh my goodness. To correct it. The client was watching, mortified, but didn't step in until it got real bad because she was afraid of the trainer. She finally took the dog away, ended the session, went home, and the dog had welts down its back from the whipstick that this trainer set this poor dog up to fail with. Um, and since then it cannot be near humans. Doesn't even trust its own owner. Well, for good reason. It took us a very long time to get that dog to even remotely look like it trusted us. But that poor dog was broken, broken by that when it was just a reactive situation. Yeah. I mean, I would have reacted in the beginning. It was just reactive, but you have somebody in a hood rush at a dog that already has reactivity at night, probably because of an eyesight issue. Yeah. I mean, most people are going to have a reaction. Hell that. yes. You most people it. already walk around at night and there are, they're you know, where, well, here in Texas, everybody's got a gun on their hip, So they're already hand on the pistol. But yeah. uh, for real, honestly, if you had somebody rush up at me, you're damn straight. I would be defensive. Yeah. Right. And then honestly, if I was think put ourselves in that situation, if my wife all of a sudden took, beaten oh, good Lord, end of relationship, right? You're not going to want to get beat by the person that you think is going to protect you. Yeah. For, Again, going back to that physicality right. of the punishment. Right. It was absolutely 
for me, heartbreaking that a human can do that much trauma to a dog and, and call it quote unquote training. Yeah. Right. Um, that's, that's the, these are the things that we hear from the force fear, um, cases. And it really does, uh, set off a nerve in my system. Um, and the, the hard part is again, the owner didn't say it was okay to do this. And she was afraid to take her dog away because the, she was afraid of the trainer. Yeah. I mean, so how do you think the dog felt then if the dog, human right. was that afraid of the right. the trainer? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Then, of course, the dog's going right. to be way worse. They're the one getting hit. Right. Y'all. So, all in all, just if you haven't gotten anything out of this, please, please don't just stand idly and watch if, it, if you're not comfortable with something a trainer is doing. Okay? Yeah. Um, don't. There are proper ways to show a dog that you're disappointed. We even have a whole communication protocol just for that. So a dog knows that when you're disappointed, it's in their behavior, but it's not a physical thing. And the dog is not upset in any manner. They just go the the opportunity to correct themselves. Right. And if you're interested in that, please give us a shout. Um, Or if you're a trainer who has been taught this force and physical, please give us a shout. You know, we can show you the proper ways to, uh, correct a dog without being a sort of physical fearful. Yeah. Okay. Being being the gamma. Right. Yeah. And that's going to kind of lead into our next week's episode, which is going to be all about rank within the packs and kind of breaking down that rank in the pack, which will then tie a lot of this stuff in about the, how that dominance theory, how these punishments can affect the rank within your pack and how having rank in your pack, well, yes, you're going to have those personalities. You don't have to have you, dogs. You, fighting don't, for you don't have to have the hierarchy that way. Right. And, and uh, so we're going to break all that down, go over um, all the different, all the different ranks within a pack. Cause a lot of people don't know that. Right. So, and um, you know, uh, we really do appreciate everybody listening. We're getting a lot of great feedback from it and we do appreciate y'all listening. Um, we're going to start diving into, I'm going to just throw it out there. We're going to start diving into subscriptions. Um, probably not in the next couple of episodes because I'm brand new at this and I don't know this techie stuff. I'm doing it just because Laura told me to. Um, <laughs> but we're going to dive into some subscriptions uh, in the near future. And those subscriptions will hold uh, VIP podcasts if you're interested in those. Um, the VIP podcast will be about uh, behavior programs and uh, talking about the different types of aggression and breaking them down in detail. A lot more in depth. Right. Um, those will be paid podcasts, paid subscriptions, uh, but we'll still have our regular scheduled weekly venting session. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. That will still be going on, but we're making more work for ourselves. So uh, our listeners, if they wanted to do the paid sc- subscription, they are more than welcome to. Uh, do it to gain more access into Laura and I's minds. Yep. So be on the lookout because that'll be coming soon. We don't have a exact date yet, but, but just keep but it in the back of your it. mind. Yep. And if you are interested in that, please shoot us an email at the, at info at canine translators.com. That's info at the letter K, the number nine translators.com. Thanks for joining us today. Please remember to, like and subs- subscribe, share. I mean, if you know someone that's using these types of forceful punishments, I mean, 
It's an easy way to be like, hey, I just listened to this podcast and they were talking about punishments for dogs. I think it would be a great opportunity for you to listen. You don't have to tell them what we say. Right. You just tell them it's a great opportunity for you to listen. Yeah. Um, But we do appreciate all of our listeners and all of the good things we're hearing from y'all. We do love it. Um, If you have any ideas for shows in the future that you might be interested in, we, we have had quite a few people give us um, their two cents as to what they want to hear their requests for podcasts. Yeah. And we have added them into this, the schedule lineup. Laura yeah. is very uh, OCD about her scheduling. So she has added it. Yeah. Um, we will have a few more guests come on. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of guests coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as always, y'all remember to see your dog, hear your dog in order to help your dog and protect first. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas about future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's caninetranslators with a K. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Remember to always try to see them, hear them, and help them. And protect first.